The views and opinions expressed in this program are those of the guests and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the hosts and creators of this program. This is the Pet Buzz. This is the Pet Buzz. Freshly collected with news, celebrity pet gossip, and the latest pet trends. Hosted by pet trendologist Charlotte Reed and Dr. Michael Fleck. And here's the Dynamic Pet Duo. Well, hello, hello, hello. We are broadcasting from the EpiPet Studios in lovely Bradenton, Florida. And we welcome our listeners who tune in each week from around the world. You know, Dr. Fleck, I have another great pet owner story for you. So check this out. So I was in TJ Maxx this past weekend, and while I was standing in the checkout line, I admired this cat bed that this woman was holding. I had seen it in the pet bed section. So I said, oh, that's really a nice, you know, cat pet bed. And she said her cat had surgery and that she thought it would be a good resting spot for her ill feline. So while she was telling the story, here comes her friend charging up the line to get in place with her. And her gal pal said, turned around and said, one cat, she has four or five cats. But really, she said, I never see her cats. And I said, oh, do you have allergies? She goes, as a matter of fact, I do have allergies. And then the woman, the cat owner said, well, really, I keep the cat separated because they don't get along. And then her friend jumped in again and said, don't get along. They've turned their whole life upside down for these cats. So I go, well, what do you mean? Because I figured the friend would talk if she didn't want to tell me. She goes, well, her husband sleeps with the two dogs in the guest bedroom. She said, two cats have the master suite and that she sleeps on the couch with some more cats. I guess human procreation doesn't occur anymore. I guess not. Well, anyway, I thought that was such a funny story because it just goes to show you what people, the crazy things that people are willing to do for their pets. But here's the thing. I'm the queen of my castle, and I dictate who sleeps where and what goes on in my home. And I think making certain adjustments are not necessarily good for the cat. For example, what would be a better idea is if she got some of the tall cat cages that my breeder used to have, and then she could store the cats in the five to six foot cat cages and they can sleep in there. And the nice thing about those cat cages is they have comfort shelves and you can put the litter box in the bottom. And that's, I mean, you know, you always ask me why my cats only used one litter box. One of the reasons is because my breeder who bred the cats and showed them with me, kept them during the week and she worked. So the three cats were in one cage during the day. She let them out in the morning and at night and on the weekends and then they went to shows but we never had all those crazy problems and i think when you kind of make these certain type of allowances your life does not become your own what do you think every day in my practice i hear stories about people telling me how they're involved with their pets and they don't think it's extreme at all and i guess i've learned to think it's probably not extreme. <laughs> it's not a question of it. I mean, you know, at one time you and I had six dogs mm-hmm. and cats and we never had all these crazy problems. We made allowances if we went out at night, but we, we never, you know, and the dog, sometimes Hannah got in the bed, BJ yeah. got in the bed, but we never had all this craziness. Well, I'm not sure it's all craziness. I think 
people have their behavioral attitudes that they wish to share with their pets. You're too soft. You know, the funny (laughs) thing is he's soft about this, but he's not soft with me. Okay, so um, I got to tell you, I couldn't have my pets any other way. I have to have pet law and order in my house. So I hope you guys have the same thing. Let me know who's right. Is it Dr. Fleck or is it me? Dr. Fleck. Wrong. (laughs) Okay, now, Doc, tell us about the show this week. Well, this week on the Pet Buzz, we are talking about canine party crashers, a pool party. At at a pool party. Can Uh you believe it? And why dog abuse in India is on the rise. A Backstreet Boys reunion and DNA as a preventative means to disease. Something very special to my heart. Well, now... Let's bring on our first guest and our only guest. But first, I want to introduce the segment. Well, in recent years, DNA testing has become widely available method to answer a range of questions and provide scientific information in personal, medical, legal situations, and even matters concerning pets. So Dr. Ernie Ward, lead veterinarian at Base Paws, is in the Pet Buzz studio with us to talk about how far DNA testing has come especially in terms of genetic disease testing for pets. How exciting. Welcome back, Ernie. Oh, thank you, Dr. Fleck and Charlotte. It is exciting. You know, this is one of those areas that we've seen coming for quite some time. We've been talking about precision medicine, and we've seen the advances on the human side. And finally, now it's coming to dogs and cats. So it's just a wonderful time to have a cat or dog. You know, it's funny because I know that, you know, we've known Ernie for such a long time and I really didn't know that he worked at Base Paws. And when we first interviewed the former, the founder of Base Paws, Anaskaya, um, it was all about cats, but I gather from your excitement, now it's dogs too. So what's going on at Base Paws? Yeah, a lot of a lot of stuff's going on. And you're right. I mean, Base Paws was founded. We were the pioneers in feline genetic testing. And so that happened back in 2016. Shortly after Base Paws came on, I was their first advisor and I was doing some other things at the time, you know. And uh, so we sort of just I continued as an advisory role. And then fast forward to 2022 and we were just acquired by the world's largest animal health company, Zoetis. And so once that acquisition went through, you know, the, the folks over there said, hey, Ernie, would you be interested in coming? and leading this new veterinary division of Base Paws. And that's where we're talking, that's what we're talking about today. And, and again, you know, Dr. Fleck, it's, it's for a long time, we thought of these genetic tests as, as I used to jokingly refer to them as a who's your daddy test, right? And now we've progressed to beyond just breed identification and to actually genetic disease, you know, prediction, detection, and certainly helping you intervene. Well, that's kind of my next question. So let's talk DNA. So why would a pet owner need DNA testing for their beloved fur kid. Yeah, it's really to fill those blind spots that we have clinically. And you know, Dr. Fleck, so many times we see these patients and we don't quite know what we're looking for. And so we kind of do a whole bunch of tests, right? I mean, we do the whole kitchen sink of diagnostics at them. And what what we're finding is that as we continue to expand our our knowledge and understanding of DNA, we're able to more targeted monitoring. And so that means that if we have a cat, let's say, for example, that has a genetic uh, mutation associated with, you know, something with chronic kidney disease or polycystic kidney disease or 
or, or you name it, right? And so suddenly now we can say, let's monitor this cat more closely throughout its life. And so obviously the most benefit is to do these tests early when they're puppies or kittens, but quite frankly, at any age. And, you know, uh, Dr. Fleck, one of the things I've been astounded by is we're, I'm seeing these older pet patients, these older dogs and cats, and we're diagnosing kidney disease, let's say. And I'm now running DNA tests and saying, wait a second, you also better look out for this or that or the other. And so finally, I'm able to say, okay, while we're dealing with this today, we've got to now start to look out or perhaps intervene and maybe prevent this next sequela of diseases. I think Ernie forgot that I'm here. He keeps saying, Dr. Fleck, Dr. <laughs> Fleck. I have, to, I have to tease him. No, well, you know, it's, it, there's, it's the veterinary realm that I think is so exciting, you know, because again, I think that, you know, for me, Charlotte, one of the things that, that has worried me about genetic testing in general is how do we interpret and translate what it means, right? Because suddenly if a pet owner gets a DNA test result and they go, oh my gosh, my dog is going to get this horrible condition. That's not always the case, right? I mean, DNA is not destiny. It's just a direction. And so I think that veterinarians need to be the translators, the interpreters, and really help guide that conversation. Because otherwise, Charlotte, I do fear that some pet owners just won't know what to do with this information. It is so exciting what you're talking about. And pet owners can kind of realize, especially, let's say they have an 8, 9, 10-year-old pet that they're bringing into the doctor for the first time in the last four or five years is having issues. If we'd have been able to do these types of testing, and that's why it's so exciting about what you're doing. If we'd have done that testing earlier, we could have predicted something that might be happening eight, nine or 10 years of age. And I think that's what's so exciting about what you're doing, but does this TNA test, how does it work? Right, <laughs> yeah, these are all great questions. Yeah. And really, you know, what's happened too, guys, is the technology has changed. And so the legacy test that most of the other, that all of our competitors are using, that's sort of the old way of doing it for human medicine, you know, 20 years ago. Well, now we've progressed to very, very sophisticated, low-pass whole genome. And so that means that when we take that dog or cat's saliva, remember, this is just a, a cheek swab, you know, it doesn't take blood or any other kind of invasive test sample. We just take a little swab from the mouth, and now we're actually able to look at that whole genome genome. And then, of course, we target, you know, 240 diseases currently in dogs, uh, over 64 in cats. Again, this makes our test, you know, the most robust. And, and it's that simple. The great news too, Charlotte, I think that, that gets overlooked sometimes is by doing this low-pass whole genome. That's the whole genetic sequence, the code of life for that dog or cat. We're going to have a commercial break and Dr. Ward is going to stick around with us. He'll be back with Doc and myself. Also in our next segment, Celebrity Pet Buzz and our report on dog now. Mapping. Training matters for all dogs, especially for puppies. To make training fun and enjoyable, motivate your pooch with Hunter's Healthy Treats. Hunter's Treats contain no corn, wheat, soy, preservatives, added flavors, or food coloring. Dogs love them because they're soft-baked with healthy ingredients like pumpkin, peanut butter, and sweet potato. Train your dog to give him the best life with the best motivation. Hunter's Healthy Treats. Visit Hunter'sHealthyTreats.com. Hunter's Healthy Treats is a proud partner of the Pet Buzz. Does your pet have dry, flaky, and itchy skin? Do you find yourself visiting the veterinarian repeatedly because Fido or Fluffy has skin allergies or ear infections? EpiPet to the rescue. Developed by a veterinarian, EpiPet is a revolutionary, high-performance skin and ear care product line made with the finest natural ingredients. EpiPet, for you and your pet, means better pet health. 
For more information, epi-pet.com. EpiPet is another proud partner of the Pet Buzz. Welcome back. You're listening to the Pet Buzz, the best in pet talk radio, where we focus on enhancing the bond between pets and their people. I'm pet Charlotte Reed. And I'm veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck. We're back with Dr. Ernie Ward discussing why DNA testing is so important. We've now got a reservoir that's archived forever. And so as our information and knowledge progresses, we can then go back later and say, oh my gosh, you know, this cat actually was at risk for this or whatever. And you know, Dr. Fleck, when I talk about diseases like you know, hypertrophic cardiomyopathy in cats. You and I know this is devastating. And, and typically we don't even diagnose it till it's far too late. It's progressed. But I, I think, think you're the- missing a part of the equation, Ernie. And the equation is, for me, when in the beginning of DNA, the vets weren't pushing DNA testing. It was pet owners right. who wanted to, with the movement of getting a shelter pet, Right. And we started seeing people of means who stopped getting purebred dogs who could afford the test, because let's face it, in the beginning, the tests were like 65 to 100 bucks. I think the Mars test was like 100 bucks. Right. And then DNA test your dog. So pet owners, especially dog owners, were driving the need to find out what their dogs were doing or what their dog's composite makeup was. So I, I think you can't really overlook that that move for adopting and rescuing shelter dogs kind of drove this movement and then it started with the behavioral traits and then it started with then i think the transition into the genetics really had to do with the sight hounds for pet owners because we found out that sight hounds originally were allergic to certain medication so that's how it trickled through um to where we are now but i i don't want to overlook that because you know with sight hounds it really was the breeders then i mean breeders of course have been doing testing for a long time but now this is really wide open for them you're looking at me like uh, you don't agree dr Fleck. <laughs> no i I'm, I'm just thinking of the value of what we're talking about as a practitioner every day I've, i visit with aging patients that have disease malady that what what doc here is talking about if we knew about this earlier in life. All the things that we can do as we do in veterinary medicine for preventative medicine to really assist. I guess a little concern that I have is if these tests are done early and some of the predictions might 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 show something that might be more of a serious nature, yeah. how, how is the pet owner gonna handle that early in the development of that pet as to what they would do later? Well, let's jump to celebrity pet news. You know, last week, Nashville Humane Association revealed on Facebook that it recently collaborated with all five Backstreet Boys for a photo op featuring a litter of adoptable puppies named after the musical group. Their Facebook page read, that's right, everyone. It's time to throw your hands up in the air and wag your tails like you just don't care because we got some news for you. Well, allow us to introduce you to Nashville Humane Association's Backstreet Boys litter with their Backstreet Boys namesake. So the photo op was each Backstreet Boy holding a puppy named after it. So for the photo shoot, the five members of the band, that's AJ McLean, Nick Carter, Howie Duro, Brian Luttrell, and Kevin Richardson each had a dog held in their hand 
and it was named after them. It was totally cute, and they described the dogs as adorable nine to ten week old shepherd mixes, right? Well, a sixth litter mate was dubbed Millennium in honor of the band's 1999 studio album of the same name, according to the announcement. The shelter wrote that four of the six puppies would be available for adoption. That was starting last Tuesday, and the other ones would be available later in the week. So, with the star power, I am sure that the shelter is having a really successful campaign. And you know what the best part was? Look at the picture, Dr. Fleck. Mm -hmm. Don't the puppies actually look like the Backstreet Boys? Mm. Yeah. Oh, okay. They do the mm -hmm. coloring and everything. Mm -hmm. Okay, listeners. Today, we're going to have a special report on dog napping. You know, dog napping is on the rise, and this is a two-part special report. If you do not now know, dog napping is the crime of taking a dog from its owner. The word is derived from the term kidnapping. According to PetFinder.com, 2 million dogs are stolen each year, and about 10% are returned home. Pet trendologist Charlotte Reed is going to share some information about dog napping with us. You need to check out her dog napping article in the September issue of Dogster Magazine. To remind you, this is a special report in two parts, this week and next. So Charlotte, why are dogs stolen? That's a great question. And throughout the world, stolen pets are used to resell as companion animals, to collect rewards from distressed owners, uh, research in laboratories for fighters or bait dog fighting, as breeders for puppy mills. This isn't a pleasant one, but we know about it for meat for human consumption or exotic animal consumption, um, sometimes for fur for clothing and accessories. I know, especially in China, a lot of the fake fur is not really fake fur. Some of it's been cat fur and they've gotten caught. Um, for sale in pet stores, for example, for dissection, uh, as well as ritual sacrifice for satanic cults. And of course, sadistic acts. But in the last two and a half years, or almost three years, as another consequence of COVID, there's been an increase in dog theft by criminals looking to take advantage of the increased demand for canine companionship, especially during the pandemic, in order to make a fast buck. That's not only here in the United States, but it's in Europe. So what are the top dogs stolen and from where are they stolen from? Well, you know, that's another great question. Well, according to the American Kennel Club, some of the top stolen dogs in the U.S. are Yorkshire Terriers, Boston Terriers, Chihuahuas, um, English Bulldogs, Shih Tzus, Pit Bulls, and especially French Bulldogs. You know, uh, Dr. Fleck, in past years, unsuspecting owners, you know, they would leave their dogs in the yards for just for a few minutes so the dogs can go do their business or they would tie the pet up outside if they wanted to run into a sorter uh, to do a quick errand. So now we're seeing that many dogs are stolen inside their homes. So people are actually breaking into homes to steal dogs, yards, 
uh, and cars. I mean, don't, that's what we always tell you. Don't leave your keys in your car because people will steal the car. They find out later that the dog's in there. Um, and a lot of times, and this is the most dramatic, they're being yanked from their owners on the streets throughout the country. And that's what's really scary. And many times it's at gunpoint. You know, many of these breeds are stolen directly from the owners because they're small, they're portable, they're docile, and they really don't put up a fuss when they're snatched from their owners. I mean, think about a golden retriever. It's friendly. It's just going to go with you, okay, whether it's at a dog park or in your neighborhood. So who are these dog nappers? Well, believe it or not, dog nappers are known thieves. They are criminals. Many of these thieves are former drug dealers who are looking for a fast profit, but they know that if they get caught, here's the catch. There's small fines and very little jail time. You know, it's 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 frightening. It's really, really frightening. I mean, what I find is that people don't, I mean, even in the Dogster article, I, when I first wrote my first draft, you know, to submit it, they actually changed the story. I mean, I did, you know, everyone thinks of celebrity dog napping like Lady Gaga, but Lady Gaga's French Bulldogs, it was a, a matter of circumstance. It happened to be her dogs. They stole the dogs from her dog walker and then shot the dog walker, left him on the street to die. One dog got away and two others went with the dog nappers. But that was just a fact of the case of who the dogs belong to. But in many cases, dog nappers are approaching people in the early morning hours before they go to work and when they come home from work and they're using guns. So that's why it's so important to be vigil about your neighborhood, what the crime rate is, and to pay attention if you're a dog owner, whether you're just walking in your neighborhood or whether you're walking in the park. So pet owners, beware. Exactly. So Charlotte, we'll be back next week finishing up talking about this topic. We will talk about contributing factors to dog napping, how breeders are affected, precautions how pet owners need to take, fines and penalties, and what you need to do if your dog is stolen. Find your article in this month's Dogster Magazine. Up next, I bet you can't wait for my I Like you of the Week. Thank you for joining us on the Pet Buzz. The show is hosted by the dynamic pet duo. I'm petrondologist Charlotte Reed. And I'm veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck. Hey, let's kick off this segment with the I Likey of the Week. It's genius. It's to die for. Well, pet parents want their fur kids to have the best life possible, as well as the longest life possible. You know, they're looking for natural alternatives and not necessarily chemicals to keep their pets healthy. Truly happy dogs, I think we believe this, are healthy dogs. Well, Tever Brands understands this and was established because of the need to make it easier to care for your pets, family, as well as your home. They're committed to science, safety, health, and your pets. You know, they're vet recommended, but I really want to talk about their supplements. Their supplements are made with natural human grade ingredients and developed by food scientists. Additionally, their chews are made and sourced in the U.S. There's no corn, no wheat, no soy, as well as no artificial dyes or preservatives. 
and they're super cute. They're heart-shaped. Remember when you were a kid and you took those vitamins? Everyone liked the shape vitamins, so you're going to love these heart-shaped vitamins. So Tevra Brands, uh, the Tevra Brands Vitality 10-in-1 Multi Well Chew Supplement, that really supports total body health. Tevra Brands Vitality Calming Chews that help calm anxious pups. Think about Halloween, it's coming up. Curb destructive behavior, help dogs really focus while training and really promote relaxation. The Vitality Hip and Joint Well Chew offers a soft supplement that supports joint health, flexibility, improves mobility. And you know, as a preventative measure, if you do have a big dog, like think a Burmese mountain dog that could eventually have hip problems, it's a good idea to give the uh, hip and joint shoes, or you have an older dog who's starting to have mobility problems. There's also Vitality's Allerimmune Well Chews to support immune system functions such as immune support, seasonal allergy, immune support, as well as gut health. So those pre and probiotics are in there. And of course, we know there are slim paws, which is really clinically proven to help safely regulate energy and fat metabolism. So to keep your dog healthy with these Tevra brand or Tevra pet chew choices, I want you to use the code, the pet buzz 25. It'll give you 25% off for any of these Tevra pet choices. So check them out at Tevra, that's T-E-V-R-A pet.com. Well, Dr. Fluck, we're going to be bringing back Ernie Ward. Dr. Ward is works at Base Paws uh, slash Zoetis, and he's talking about the importance of DNA testing as it pertains to pet diseases. I'm thinking about how many vets do you know who actually do DNA testing? Right. So I'm not saying it's not, because I think this is really right. exciting stuff. I'm excited about this. Yeah. I think it's great. So I'm going to let you continue. Yeah, I yeah, just yeah. wanted it, to bring that up. Though. No, it's a great, great point. And, and back to yours, Dr. Fleck. So here's here's the value. And and remember, DNA is not destiny. It's just directions. You know, as, as a lot of humans, they say, hey, you know, DNA loads the gun, but a variety of uh, environmental factors pull the trigger. So that's really where we are. We know that for our total health, about maybe 60 to 70 percent is our our lifestyle, environment, you know, traumas, all those things that happen to us. And only 30 to 40% is actually dictated by our DNA. I mean, there are certain diseases that obviously once you're born with it, that's it. We can't do anything about it. But a lot of them progress along with environmental or epigenetic factors. And so getting back to this, let's say you have that young kitten and it says that, wow, you're at greater risk for hypertrophic cardiomyopathy. Well, two things I'm going to recommend that vet do and that pet owner is number one, let's be monitoring more closely. So that means maybe we're going to do either echoes more frequently, physical exams more frequently. I mean, whatever that might be, I'll leave that up to the vet, but we're going to do it more frequently so that we can catch it at its earliest inception because you and I know the earlier we recognize the disease, the earlier we can intervene, the better the outcomes. So in that HCM case, again, it doesn't mean that the cat is going to die from HCM or even maybe get it, but we're going to be on the lookout for it. And I think that's the biggest difference today because right now, if I see a kitten, I have no clue if it's at risk for whatever disease, right? I'm just gonna, gonna kind of throw darts at the proverbial diagnostic board and we're gonna see what sticks. And so I think now more precise targeted monitoring is really what, what I think we're entering into this new era. And again, you know, Charlotte, for me, this is where I wanna be the translator of that because some of this information could be scary. But, you know, one of the things that I always find, and I think this will help people, you know, when people get a dog or a cat 
they're always told to buy some books. Like I have a friend, actually he indirectly works on our show. Um, he's our, he works at Westwood One. He's our satellite media. He's getting a Maine Coon kitten. So, you know, what's exciting is that, you know, I got him a book because he's been really helpful for me, but I'm going to tell him to go get his Maine Coon DNA tested yes, yes. because I have had, and I don't know if you know this, Ernie, but not only have I shown dogs in my life, I've also shown cats and I've shown oh. Persians. I've shown Himalayans. So I know, and I've lost two because of urinary disease. So that what you mentioned. So it's really important that more pet owners really understand uh, and you you remember, Doc, you had a you had a longstanding client who has a Dalmatian and the yeah. dog had copper, whatever the copper disease is. A urinary involvement. Or well, the, no, urine, had, yeah. No, yeah. he was. No, he had the copper disease or yeah. the intolerance to copper. But you could find that out with DNA testing, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, these these are all those things. And again, I think that <clears throat> excuse me. Too often we think that, well, there's nothing I can do about it. And that's just not the reality. So many of these diseases, if we can just be on the lookout and intervene, maybe make simple dietary or lifestyle changes, that can influence and maybe prolong, delay, or prevent many of these conditions. And that's really where, for me as a veterinarian, that's what I'm interested in doing is trying to enhance the quality of life and extend longevity whenever possible. And promote that bond that you can have between that pet and that pet parent. and. Yeah. I mean, this is really exciting because so much, if, if we can do a test earlier in life, especially when you think about all the uh, adoption of all the kitties, they come from the dumpster down the road. Yeah. So, so if we get, if we can have that tested uh, early and have some prediction, and then the people can know how they can actually assist in the care for that, that pet, whether it's nutrition or whatever you're suggesting, Ernie, but uh, they could have that 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 relationship for a long long time and not have something at eight nine ten years old really destroy it so much and be very expensive and very harmful for the pet um well if you've just joined us we're talking with veterinarian dr ernie ward lead veterinarian at base paws zoetis about genetic disease testing so i have a question and my question is we're talking about testing for disease um with dna testing but what about finding that carrier can you talk a little bit about that yeah because anytime we're talking about heritable or inherited diseases we want to eliminate that because we can right just by prudent practices and breeding and so i think that if you're considering breeding your dog or cat today First of all, get a full genetic test done, right? Find out what they might be at risk or carriers of, because if they are, I mean, there's certain things that we want to do. Most of the times we want to avoid breeding that pet. Just let's be honest, right? Most of these are going to be something that we want to get out of the breeding pool. So that's going to be a good indication. However, there are some heterozygous conditions, meaning that, you know, they only have one of the, the, the genes, the alleles of that condition. And perhaps there would be ways to, to breed that animal. And again, I'm not going to get into the details because there's very nuanced and we need to know exactly what condition we're talking about. But I think it helps us make more informed, reasonable, and I would say more prudent decisions on who we breed and who we breed it to. Yeah, it's it, this is just such a fascinating conversation. And you know, it's I'm, I really like the way Ernie just posed that last statement, because I'm thinking about the people who are listening, who might breed a litter or two, but who are not professional breeders. So they might get a wake up call mm -hmm. from this conversation. 
Uh, you and I earlier were talking about one or two of your clients who breed every so often, correct? Yeah, and, and, and I'm listening to this and I'm thinking, Ernie, as, as you approach this, um, we, when we have our puppies and kitties that, that are coming in, we have a program, vaccination program, parasite checking program or so. This should be incorporated as part of all of that's a necessity for, yeah. and, and I hope that that's promoted with your company. Uh, there's certain things that I think that we're developing in medicine. And we're, again, we're trying to have the healthiest pets that we can have for a variety of reasons, if nothing else, uh, as Charlotte is always concerned about the cost of care. But we need to know these things, but that, that just helps in the overall care. We think about nutrition you know, it's so important. We need to know what the genetic makeup is for the potential diseases. So how we can at least deal with those in the future. I think it's wonderful what right. you're doing. Well, how is this genetic testing done? I mean, I'm not talking about just doing the, you know, how in, in the back room after the swab is submitted. <laughs> right. Right. Well, our main lab is in Los Angeles. And so we've got a team of scientists, all geneticists, most of them PhD and above. I mean, Dr. Fleck, you know, a lot of these people go to school for a long time. Our two lead scientists are just amazing PhDs in genetics. And so basically those samples are sent out to our lab and we have these very sophisticated machines, these genetic encoders called Illumina machines, and they go through the entire genome. They map it all out, all the A's and G's and C's and T connections, and they give you that blueprint of life. And then of course we go and match that up with known genetic markers of disease and that gives us that combination of what's the breed what all are you made up of and all those fun little traits that we talk about but more importantly these health diseases these health markers that we're really as a veterinarian i'm more concerned about okay this is such an important topic ernie will be sticking around for more he'll continue with us throughout the show well what's next when i come back i'm going to fill you in on the pet buzz global pet news and of course tell me something good I know you love your dog and you want to treat him well, but with so many treats in the pet marketplace, how do you choose? Look for treats made with no additives or preservatives, just natural ingredients like Hunter's Healthy Treats. Choose pumpkin, sweet potato, or peanut butter heart-shaped treats. Not only are they good for your dog, but he will love the taste too. For healthier treats and happier dogs, choose Hunter's Healthy Treats. Visit Hunter'sHealthyTreats.com. Hunter's Healthy Treats is a proud partner of the Pet Buzz. I'm petrondologist Charlotte Reed. And I'm veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck here at the Pet Buzz. We are urban, suburban, and, and country. Okay, well, we're back with Ernie Ward of Base Paws talking about the importance of DNA testing as it pertains to pet disease. Um, I'm really interested in the fact that I, I want to talk about purebred dogs for all because we kind of know what diseases come about but i mean are we and, and also in the realm of purebred dogs we find people keep breeding to champions to champions to champions so there does tend to be a lot of inbreeding right, right. so talk a little bit about that what do pet owners as well as breeders need to be aware of yeah, this, you know, we do see this clustering and density of disease, you know, and within certain breeds and families, even let's face it, I mean, German shepherds are notorious, you know, we know that there are certain, you know, breeding lines that are more prone to hip dysplasia and elbow and so forth. Uh, you know, when you look at it overall, I think that there's two things that are really happening. Number one, 
I do believe that with the expansion and accessibility of DNA testing that breeders are doing a better job. And I'm always going to be an eternal optimist. I think there are some fantastic breeders out there that are very responsible and they're doing the right thing by the breed. So I, you know, and again, I'm one of those people that adopt if you can, but if you're a purebred enthusiast, then let's do it right. So I think that. For the others, I think that we are having increased pressure. And so this means public awareness. So basically, if you are going to buy a purebred dog today and you really don't know much about the breed other than maybe what you saw on a website or something, you should insist on these genetic test results, right? I don't think that's too much to ask in this day and age. But the other thing that's kind of alarming to me is that while a lot of the diseases we have sort of associated with German Shepherds or Cocker Spaniels or whatever, Boykins, right? We're now finding out that, oh, wow, it's a lot more prevalent than we ever imagined. And that means mixed breeds. That means just your regular old mutts are actually predisposed to a lot of these diseases. And I think that as we get more and more data, Dr. Fleck and Charlotte, I think you're going to find that what we once thought were reserved only to Cavalier King Charles actually are appearing in just any old regular dog. So I think that, you know, again, it's going to help us with pure breeds and do a better job. But more importantly, it's going to help us identify diseases that we never would have guessed would happen in this mixed breed. Crazy, huh? crazy good. I'm excited. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm also interested as I'm listening to you. Um, and I mean, honestly, Ernie, how many people know a Boykin Spaniel? <laughs> <laughs> They're great dogs. They yeah, are great dogs. They have a lot I of have problems. To, three years ago, I saw one in Washington, D.C. in DuPont Circle. And I was like, is that a Boykin Spaniel? And the people were shocked. But that's what a Boykin is. Um, so my next question is, have we started looking at, I know with the testing, the base plus testing, you can determine regions. Are we starting to see patterns in different areas of the country with some of this genetic testing? Yeah, I, I, and I can't speak to that specifically because I really haven't, we don't have the research to back it up. But I, I would say that anecdotally, yes. And, you know, we go back to things like uh, early fibrosarcoma data in cats, right? And which we do believe this has a genetic link. I mean, we don't have it clearly understood yet, but the pathophysiology seems to lean, lend itself towards genetics. And so we were seeing fibrosarcs in cats popping up in clusters around the country. Dr. Fleck, you probably remember some of the early research that was coming out. And so this is, again, one of those areas where the more dogs and cats we have, you know, assembled in these databases, the more we're going to be able to glean that insight. And I can tell you, you know, I personally have been reaching out to the other, you know, competitors, if you will, or the people that are doing genetic testing in this space. And we are trying to put together and pool our resources, Dr. Fleck and Charlotte, so that I think only by working together can we actually get to these answers much quicker. And so on a personal level, that's what I've been doing. I've been reaching out. We're starting to forge those kind of bonds and relationships. But I do foresee this in the very near future, us having maps. We, right now, we're actually working with a data analytics company to, to get a heat map, just like you're describing, saying, oh, oh, we're seeing this or that. Because again, being part of Zoetis, they want to know also at the earliest inception, are you guys seeing a problem? And again, genetics are just part of their arsenal of, of treatments and solutions. I mean, I think, and and maybe you, I'm, I mean, I feel like, you know, I'm kind of translating and thinking as I go along. So I'm, I'm obviously not a scientist like you all. But, you know, one of the things um, as we see uh, dogs rise in popularity. So uh, I'm thinking the French Bulldog, for example, yeah, which is a yeah. very popular dog getting kidnapped. I mean, I think three were kidnapped just in the last three days from wow. stories I read. You know, I, I think it's and we seeing that and the AKC you know, kind of in hand listing the registration of the breeds, I can kind of see, you know, 
them getting in a little bit, I mean, obviously they have the Canine Health Foundation, but I can see more of an active role. Um, I mean, and yes, they represent breeders for pet owners to understand this because at the end of the day, pet owners are the ones who have to pay for this, Right. you know? So, um, you know, I think, you know, as my dad always says, money talks and bullshit walks, but I think that's, it's good to have these conversations because we always say here on the Peppas being forearmed is being forewarned. Right. Exactly. So if you are getting a dog, like you are getting a French bulldog, right? And they're doing amazing research in the UK um, uh, with that breed and, and studying the diseases and the problems. But, Go ahead. But, but, this, but this is why I suggest that our routines that we do when mm-hmm. we have our puppies yes. and kitties that come in, we should be incorporating this testing as part of the essentials for the health care of that that new kitty and that new puppy as they develop in life and that's the messaging that has to be projected from what no no dr ward and his group are yeah. doing as it projects i to the, totally get it to the veterinarian that has to be persuading but is the average client in this economic economy i don't know how much is it to, for yeah, a test it, i think that's the right question to ask and, and a uh, just so you know dr fleck we are working with different groups all around the country people that maybe hold you know multiple clinics you know maybe 100 clinics or 50 clinics or whatever and we're actually doing exactly that incorporating it into wellness plans into puppy yes. and kitten packages so absolutely you know that's we're we're well down that road and we've seen great results in our early studies so far but the cost is also another element of it for the the full you know all the breed identification and, and all those 240 health tests and dogs at your vet that's going to cost a uh, probably under 200 dollars. that's really you know obviously every vet may charge what they want but we're suggesting they charge about 199 dollars for cats it depends on really what kind of test they want but it's about 159 dollars all the way up to you know i mean all the way down to 99 dollars, depending on what you know again there's different levels of these tests that you can get so for me i'm looking at okay if the investment in a puppyhood is maybe a couple hundred dollars and I get that archive for life, that is money well spent because, you know, again, you could look at it a multitude of ways, but, you know, if it's 10 years of duration, minimum, that's $10 or $20 a year. So I think it's money well spent. But more importantly, I think that what it will help you do as a pet owner is to identify what you don't know and to do some simple lifestyle, diet, whatever types of interventions, monitoring to allow you to recognize those targeted diseases that your cat or dog is at risk for. Again, earlier recognition, better outcomes ernie get to work get this done (laughs) we We need the message out there honest to goodness i mean as we as practitioners as we've been for a long period of time and we see all the families that come in and and the tears and and the costs and everything if if that can be avoided and and so the people can enjoy their pet longer and that pet is healthier longer oh my gosh a two, couple two hundred things. bucks. Yeah. Two things really important. Number one, even in inevitable conditions like epilepsy, for example, because we have several genetic markers for epilepsy. What we can also do, don't forget the value of preparation, right? There's nothing more terrifying to a pet owner than an unexpected seizure. I mean, the dog flails about, collapses. It's frightening. They're dazed. You don't know what to do. So if you've got a dog at risk for this genetic mutation, then guess what? Prepare them, educate them. The other thing too, Dr. Fleck, I, I was at the AVMA conference uh, here recently in Philadelphia. And I 
was blown away by the enthusiasm and interest by our veterinary colleagues. We had a tiny little booth. It was kind of a late ad. You know, Zueta said, you got to come up here. So myself and the vet team went up there and we were standing room only the entire time because vets wanted to have the same conversations that we're having with your listeners today. And that is, okay, what do I need to know about this? What's the technology? What do I do if it tests a certain way or whatever? And so it's fascinating. Vets are getting this quickly. And I, I really, I only see this as something that's going to continue to gain momentum. I think if, and and I agree with you, I think it's definitely worth it. I think $199 is for the information for a dog's life. And I mean, I'm a dog owner whose dogs live 15 to 17 years. Um, I think what truly is going to, what is the football term? Punt it over, kick it over the (laughs) goalpost or whatever, is that if insurance companies get on board and it becomes more affordable because right now we're what are we looking at between seven not more than seven percent of people in this country are have pet insurance right or maybe that's or maybe seven to eight percent have pet insurance in the uk and maybe it's like maybe five or six here in this country it's gone up more like two percent two percent okay okay i thought it was four according to the pet insurance association but it's two (laughs) percent okay so when we have somebody like mark cushing come on the show talking about you know pet insurance where and this economic environment where people are canceling subscriptions, you know, starting to freak out after kids going back to school. I mean, it's definitely worth it. And I think you have to think of it as like an investment over time. But if we if it became part of insurance company packages um, and, you know, and it, the, and the vets could lower the price, I think you'd have a hit or miss. But then again, you know, it is something that more in the beginning, more affluent our affluent customers are going to latch on to the people who do spend the $10,000 or the $5,000 for a French bulldog or a Cavalier King Charles Spaniel. And I hate to say that, but. And Charlotte, one other quick thing. I agree. I think that economics always play a role with these types of things, but we're seeing generational shifts big time because millennials and Gen Zers are used to having access to this kind of information and they're kind of demanding it now. And I think, you know, Dr. Fleck, you and I, we, you know, graduated a few years ago. And so this is all new to us, but I'm, I'm seeing more and more, you know, pet parents reach out to me directly and say, okay, my vet doesn't do this test. How do I get them to do it? And I think that again, this generational shift is also driving this need for information. It goes right back to what Dr. Fleck said about enhancing the bond. This is a way to know your pet in a richer fashion than ever before, but more importantly, allows you to be a better pet parent, in my opinion. So again, you know, I, I agree with you. Economics are always at a, at a, in play here. We're desperately always trying to keep our, our costs competitive and low, but at the same time, there's a lot of people who say, you know what, I want to know. Ultimately, for me, you know, my interest in pet obesity really was un- just intimately tie- intertwined with with longevity. I mean, my whole goal, you know, I've, I've stated it, I've, I've created a foundation called Project 25, where we're trying to extend the life expectancy of dogs and cats to 25 years of age. It sounds bold and preposterous, audacious even, but, you know, we know that we can do better by our pets. And so for me, to the opportunity to work with Baseballs by Zoetis and actually, you know, be a part and lead this veterinary team, you know, Dr. Fleck, to try to usher in this next area 
era in medicine. I mean, it's not only an incredible honor, but I think it's an incredible opportunity for the future of our profession. And, you know, I think, Dr. Fleck, you and I, you know, back in our day, we really prided ourselves on our physical exam skills. You know, we could go in and you and I could look and see. And, you know, I used to call it the 10-foot diagnosis. I could watch a dog walking in and I would go, okay, that's this or whatever. He's got um, heartworm. Exactly. <laughs> almost. Almost, right? You know, but the reality is we're now coming into an era where you can do a simple DNA test and now see that there's 25 things that we need to be looking for. And so I think that's what's going to make the difference in longevity. But more importantly, this is about quality of life because, you know, all of this is meaningless. An extra year of life is nothing if it's not a comfortable life. And for me, if I can identify that cat that's at risk for chronic kidney disease earlier, then that means better outcomes, better quality of life and happier, healthier people and pets. That's really what it's about to me. Oh, my God. What what a tremendous interview today! This is I'm, I'm so, so much fun. I'm so glad that you're so excited, and it was a it's just. I'm gonna a go great back and start practicing again this afternoon. I think you, you should. No, I think you should order up some base pause test and get going. Yeah, yeah. If you want me to be part of this uh, this program, just let me know too. You bet. Okay, Doctor Ward. Thank you so much for coming. To, our listeners have to enjoy this presentation today and i be, think they're going to begin to realize that they can really help their own their own pets their the, just that relationship that they're going to have by knowing all this stuff thank you for coming i think you have to give your website though right mm -hmm. okay do that yeah basepaws.com and basepawsvet.com for veterinary professionals that might be listening so check them out lots of different tools resources out there so definitely educate yourself and make better decisions for your pet that was veterinarian dr ernie ward of base Paws discussing the importance of genetic disease testing what a tremendous program so much to look forward to i mean just the future in pet health it's all intertwined yeah it's time for global pet news and now, Pet Buzz news from around the globe. You know, as the number of dog bite cases across India is increasing, several cases of animal abuse against dogs are also being reported as retaliation, Doc, for biting incidents. So over the past few months, India has seen the surge in the number of dog cases attacking pedestrians or their own family members. So in July, for example, a pit bull dog killed its elderly mistress. Incidents across the country include a pit bull dog attacking a child who had suffered multiple grave injuries and had to get over 200 stitches all over his body, a German Shepherd dog attacking a delivery boy's private parts and really injuring him, and a child was bled to death by a stray dog. You know, as a result, the media reported that a mass killing of dogs is being conducted in Kerala, a southwestern state on the Indian coastline. But so in retaliation, you've got dogs that have been slaughtered on the streets of India, as well as hung from lampposts. Imagine going down to the town square or the busy central district and their dogs hanging on the lamppost. Well, here's something that was recently outrageous and kind of brought this to attention. Well, recently in Japar, a car could be seen dragging a dog behind its leash. 
So the dog was tied up by the head and the muzzle, and the car is speeding up faster and faster and faster. Well, according to social media claims, the person who was driving the car was a doctor, a well-known plastic surgeon. According to the tweet posted by the social media account named Dog Home Foundation, the dog suffered multiple fractures after the incident. The dog just couldn't keep up. So this doctor was charged under Section 428 in India, mischief by killing or maiming an animal of the Indian Penal Code in Section 2, treating animals cruelly of the Prevention of Cruelty to Animals Act. You know, I hate to say it, but I'm not really surprised. You know, over the last few years, we've known that India's had a lot of dog problems. We've known they've had rabies problems, uh, and we know that they've had a lot of dog attacks. And I guess what I'm I'm saying is the people there are poor and uneducated, as well as the fact that the country has very limited resources for humane education regarding animals, as well as providing for care or established policies for strays. All I'm going to say is that I'm praying for the people of India, especially the animal charities and the dogs of India, that the animal abuse stops. Good story. Well, let's move on with Tell Me Something Good. And that's like... Please. News of the day got you down? No worries. Pet trendologist Charlotte Reed is here with Tell Me Something Good. This is a necessity like air and oxygen. Tell me something good. Well, I gotta say, party on, dogs. Party on. So this story hails from the Daily Pause. A group of friends were having a pool party young people so you know lots of beer lots of excitement dancing so a group of friends were having a pool party when they observed two dogs loitering around the yards outside the fence that kind of where the dogs were kind of looking in so party goers walked over to inspect the dogs since they appeared to want to enter you know they were scratching at the gate and everything so eventually the party goers chose to let the dogs inside the yard and to hang out with them while they looked for their owners because one of the dogs had tags. Well, while one of the dogs was a bit reserved when it entered, when it first entered the yard, the other dog really wanted to join in the fun. Now, the two dogs, one was a golden retriever and one was a German shepherd. Which one do you think wanted to join in the fun, Doc? Hmm. The golden retriever. Of course. <laughs> so the golden retriever jumped right in and joined the excitement, running about, playing fetch, begging for food, snacking on shoes, and finally getting in the water. So party goers who were in the pool put the dog in a float, and he floated all over the pool. He took a swim. He got kisses. I mean, he had a great time going swimming. Well, the shepherd really never had the courage to enter the water, but she allowed some of the common people to pet her. You know, we know nothing about the dog's owners, but all you could see from the pictures is that the dogs, or I guess I should say the party <laughs> crasher, the canine party crashers just made the party a lot better. And I think that's something good. I totally agree with you. Well, Dr. Fleck, it's too soon to wrap the show, but before <laughs> we go, we want to give everyone a preview for next week's show. Good, let's hear it. I know you would stay here all day if you could, right? 
Yeah. I know you would. Yeah. So next week, we got something for single dog owners. Hmm. We're talking about the best cities to date with dogs. Also, everyone wants to know how to keep your dogs calm at the vet or when going to the vet. Uh, and Dr. Fleck, I think those are going to be great topics, don't you think? I think so. It'd be nice if they were real calm at my practice. Yeah, well, we'll you'll find out some tips and tricks and you can share them with your... Uh, I sure you will. To share them with your pet owner patients. Yes. Anyway, would you be so kind as to thank our guests? Well, special thanks to our very special guest, Dr. Ernie Ward. And of course, we want to thank our sponsors, the Animal Medical Center of Bradenton and EpiPet, making better skin coat and ear care products for healthier pets everywhere. And Hunter's Healthy Treats, making yummy soft bake, all natural treats for dogs of all ages and all sizes. Wonderful. And if you have any questions, write to us at team at thepetbuzz.com. We will cover it on next week's show. And if you've missed any portion of the show, visit our social media channels as well as your favorite streaming channel and listen to the linked podcast on Monday morning. And most importantly, remember, we're here each week to help you take better care of your pets. Peace out and pet love. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Pet Buzz. The Pet Buzz is hosted by the dynamic pet duo, pet trendologist Charlotte Reed and Dr. Michael Fleck. www.thepetbuzz.com Learn more about us, the show, and our guests.